All right. So today what I want to do, I want to do a recap of what we learned during Word Explosion. I want to see how good you listen, and particularly you guys in the front row. Mara, you at the 7 o'clock service, right? I'm not going to ask you anything, yeah. But I'm going to ask people in the front row, then they have to answer me, right? I just want to see how good you listen, all right? Because I think, Bazalana, this year, I mean, we gave our speakers the, the theme and the main text, but every one of them had a different emphasis, even though the emphasis was kind of, they were intertwined. Remember our main text, right? John 9, 1 to 7. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sent, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Verse 4, our main text. I must work the works of him who sent me whilst it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And so we gave the theme of the conference, working whilst it is still day. During the week as I went back to this verse, because of the, what I heard during the conference, I noticed that just this verse alone, Barcelona, we can preach on almost every word there and every phrase for the next month. Let me give you an example. It starts by saying, I, I. So Jesus here is committing himself. He's saying, these works of God are not to be done by someone else but me. Jesus is saying, I am available. I see myself as an instrument that God wants to use. I'm hoping that every one of us in this place, you see yourself as an instrument that God wants to use. Now, I didn't say you must be a pastor. I didn't say you must be a bishop because sometimes people think that's the only way God wants to use you. But wherever you are, I hope you see yourself as an instrument of God. Jesus says, I am the one who must do it. I'm not going to send someone else. I'm not going to pray that somebody else should go. I'm not going to expect somebody else to do it. One of the big problems in our world is that when we see problems, oftentimes we kind of hope somebody will do something about it. In fact, sometimes I, when I listen to some of the radio stations when people phone in and they're complaining about this, that, or the other, I like those people who are hosting the programs who kind of throw the question back to the caller and say, Mara, what are you doing? And oftentimes when people are asked, what are you doing? You kind of hear confusion in them because they don't see themselves as the one who must do something about the issue. It's always somebody else. And Jesus is saying, when it comes to the works of God, I commit myself. I give myself. I offer myself. I am the instrument that God is going to use. Tell your neighbor, even if you're not saying amen, you are the instrument that God wants to use. Pastor never think that God cannot use you. Never get to a point where you think you are not holy enough to be used of God. I think in the church world, we've really done people a disservice in terms of really driving a huge wedge of separation between the clergy, the men and women of the cloth, and the congregation. To a point like as Dr. Masongani was saying, in some places, you know, you find that the people in the church, the congregation, cannot participate in certain practices. In some instances, even the Bible is only read by the clergy. 
I think we have done people a disservice in that the mind that people have when it comes to the work of God is that theirs is to come to church and become spectators. And because Ronara Holane, they believe for us to do all the spiritual work, theirs is to become spectators. Tell your neighbor, I hope you're not a spectator. Yeah? But when you read God's word, as we've seen today, and even demonstrated by the people who have come in to be volunteers, everybody is called by God. Yeah, some of you, you were choking and the amen. Let me try it again. Everybody is called by God. No, you are still choking on it. I want to say it again. Everybody is called by God. Say it with me. I am called by God. Put it this way. God has called me. Now, I didn't say you should be a pastor. I didn't say you are called to be a pastor. That's not what I said. But you are called. Wherever you are, whatever sector, you are called. If everybody here... You could look at yourself as somebody who is called by God to fulfill a certain purpose. Because, Barcelon, to make this world go around, everybody is needed. In this service alone, I mean, you see the people who are manning the cameras, these young guys on the cameras, the people who are at the sound desk at the back there. You know, when you came in, you had the people by security outside. You had people in the parking lot. You have the ushers who brought you in. We have people who are doing counseling. We have people who have taught the people who are in a discipleship class and all of that. Everybody is needed. Tell your neighbor, you are needed in the kingdom. So Jesus says, it's I, it's me. It's me who is involved. Then he says, I must. In other words, it's a must. I've got to do it. It's not something that's an option. It's not something that I have, I have a choice about. I must do it. I'm aware that if I don't get involved, then the work of God will not be done in any way. So it's, it's something that is compulsory. I'm not pointing at somebody else. I'm pointing at me. In other words, when I wake up in the morning, my only purpose for waking up is to do the works of God. He's saying, I'm recognizing the reason I'm strong, the reason I'm healthy, the reason I'm still on this earth is because I have a mission. I'm a man on a mission. I'm here on an assignment and I've got to fulfill my assignment. But Zalana, you are not here by mistake. You are not born into the world by mistake. You came into this world because you have a work to do. You have a purpose to fulfill. You have an assignment to fulfill. So you must fulfill your assignment. Tell your neighbor, you must. You must. You must fulfill the assignment. Then he says, I must work. It's working. What I'm going to be involved in is work. I'm going to labor. It means it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. It's going to involve effort. It means I've got to make sure I am strong enough. I've got to have energy to do this. It's work. Sometimes, you know, when people become Christians, you know, I find sometimes people try to escape by praying a lot. You know, instead of working, they're praying. Some of you guys, you're still praying even now. And you're sitting next to here as I speak. And you're not saying anything. Ladies, just tell him, you must work. You must work. You must do it. One of the ideas that church people have is that, you know, God will do it all. But even when you read the Bible, God never works by himself. God works through people. Yeah. Even with us being born again, 
Jesus came in the form of a man. A man, human being, born like you and me, brought into this world like you and me, came into the world to come and die for other people. Yeah, for the, for the gospel to be preached, God anointed people who needed to go and work. For us to advance the cause of the kingdom, we must have the mindset of being workers. As long as people lazy around and hide behind prayer, no work will be done. My question is, are we going to be spectators and sit by, look on as things are going down the drain in our country? Why should things be in the state in which we are in our time of being leaders? When you and I were at the prime of our lives, and yet what we had oversight on was in tatters. Yeah, I, I made that decision. In the sector I am, if I can use the word sector, when it comes to church, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to planting churches, training ministers, running a church, training leaders, bringing more people, I'm not going to leave anything behind. I'm not going to spare anything. I'm going to work my heart out. I'm going to do it with everything in me. By the grace of God, I'm going to do it. Yeah. That's why you hear us. We're going to the stadium. We're having word explosion. We're doing this. I'm just going to work flat out. We will lead prayer in the morning, that five o'clock prayer. It doesn't matter whether Kikensa Kotoiki or Kikensa Ing. We're going to do that. Going to work. But I want to ask you, will you have the same attitude in education? Will you have the same attitude in the field of medicine? Will you have the same attitude? Can we be those people who will say, the difference that I want to see is the difference that I will bring. I will be the difference. Yeah. I, I will be the difference. I will be the difference. I must work. I must work. Can I hear a good amen, Bazaran? He says, I must work the works of him who sent me. So I am sent by him. Some of you don't see yourself as being sent by him. If you understand that you are sent by him, then you'll, you'll also know that he's going to ask you serious questions in eternity. Oh, yeah. He's going to ask you, what did you do? When Jesus taught those parables about the ten virgins or the servants that were called by their master, all those parables about the talents that were given, all those parables, he was trying to get a message across. And he said it in so many different ways, but we still don't get the message. We still don't get the message. Ten virgins, they had to be ready for the coming of their master. They had to have oil in their lamps. They had to be in a state of readiness, not go to slumber. And the ones who were able to be able to be with the, the groom are those who took extra oil for the journey. In other words, they prepared themselves ahead of time. They prepared themselves to be there for the long haul. They were not short-sighted people who were only thinking about where they are. They were going to be there and wait for that period and prepare themselves for what's coming. How many people are preparing themselves to be used by God? How many people? How many people? The people with the talents that he gave, the Bible says they went and they invested the talents. But the one with the one talent sat on it. And when his master came, he said, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you reap where you haven't sown. So I took the talent and I sat on it. And what did the master say? You're wicked servant. Can you imagine? God is infuriated when we live a life of no purpose. God doesn't like it when you and I lazy around 
always finding fault and never doing anything. There's a reason why God made you who you are. There's a reason why God wired you the way you are wired. There's a reason why you have the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the likes and the dislikes you have. There's a reason why. There's a reason why you were born in a certain family. There's a reason why. Everything you have went through, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. And God doesn't like it when people come here and behave like a passenger. God says this, I mean, I've wasted all my, my abilities on you. Investing all of this in you. Because what God wants, God wants you to use what he gives to you. He wants you to, to ensure you, you apply and you, you use what God gives to you. He says, I must work the works of him who has sent me. Then he says, whilst it is still day. He's saying, there, there's a time called day. An opportune time whilst you are able to do it. You know, there are certain things that we postpone too much. Until when we get around it, you can't do it anymore. You know, it's almost like if you've logged on to a certain program, you know, with your computer, you know. Some of these programs, they give you a certain amount of time. You can see the countdown. Yeah. If you don't punch in all the right codes whilst there's still a window, it's going to close. You have to start all over again. Particularly, have you ever filled forms online? And you just, just keep one field. And it's these time-coded forms. You know these time-coded forms? If you haven't filled it within three minutes, ele form. So I'm start from scratch. That's why so many people must start from scratch all the time. Look at your neighbor and say, how we can How we can Why? Because their problem is when opportunity is there, they don't take advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. So they're always calling Gabusha. All the time. All the time. So you never build anything. You never finish anything. You're always starting. Everywhere, there's so many foundations. House of Earth, of Earth. So long, why keep it half with global? It's, it's, it's a problem. Look at the person. I must work the works of God whilst it is still day. We don't want no time out. We don't want to get to a point where when we get around it, even if we have the vision in our hearts, circumstances don't allow, or even our body doesn't allow. This is why I'm such a firm propagator of young people getting on with God's mission as young as possible. If you are called to be a preacher, young person, if you are called to be a pastor, get in, get training, get involved in the church. Don't wait. Don't wait. Start doing it when you are young. And be committed to it. And be serious about it. Even if your friends don't, don't like it. Even if they talk bad about you. Even if I'll be some rooty, profit, go for it. Just do it. Do the works of God whilst it is still day. Hallelujah. He says the night comes when no one can work. Time comes when opportunity has closed. Where the window is gone. Where even if you have the right type of heart, it's too late. Can't do it can't do it. You read in the Old Testament where people came to God and the Bible says he sought repentance with all his heart but it couldn't be granted. When time for repentance was there, when opportunity to do right was there, they didn't take advantage of it. I pray that God will help us to use the opportunity that he gives us. Amen. Hallelujah. So then, uh, then on Wednesday, Muruti Tandanane came and from the same text, she was asking this question, what do you see? 
Because when Jesus says, I must work the works of God, what, what do you see? What is it that God is talking to you about? I'm asking you that question in this place. What is it that the Holy Spirit is showing you? What is it that the Holy Spirit is troubling you about? What is it that during the conference, as you were listening, and even in these sessions, as you are preaching, what is it in your area of influence or in your sector? What is it that is troubling you? And the next question is, if it's troubling you, what are you going to do about it? Of course, we start with prayer, but we don't end with prayer. Jesus is talking about it. He says, day and night is, will come because there's a state in which we can work. When it's day, we can work. But when it's night, we can't work. Therefore, she was saying, and I love this, she said, as much as God has anointed us and has blessed us, we need to translate the blessing into something tangible. Yeah. Biggest problem with church people is that we think when the Holy Spirit is moving and falling here, that's all there is to it. Yeah. It starts by the Holy Spirit falling on us, yes. But after the Holy Spirit has fallen on you, and you also have fallen. Fala <laughs> and go and make a difference somewhere. Amen. Amen. And that's why we misunderstand the word revival. In the Bible, any revival, any spiritual awakening or visitation did not exclude the, the, the land or the country being changed. In other words, revival in God's terminology doesn't end in a church building. I know you don't like my sermon, particularly people this side. I don't know why. I can see, I can see Kishabile, some roads there. Some people really don't like the sermon. See we, you see, we go to church and thank God for the move of God in church. But the reason for God moving in church is that he wants to take this revival on the streets. Yeah. All over the Bible. Read it. When you read Joel, God talks about how he will bring the former and the latter rain. Then later on it says, rejoice you land. Why must the land rejoice? For he's given you what? The latter rain, the former rain in moderation, and he will cause to come unto you the latter rain. He says, and your vats will overflow with oil. And, you, and, and so there's, a, there's an overflow of the blessing of God. Because a sign of God working is what you see in the book of Acts, in Samaria. When God is working, the whole city gets affected. Yeah. Saved and unsaved alike. There's just something that God begins to do. So I want to ask you, when are in your street? How are things going in your street? How are things in your suburb? Yeah. So the question is, the area where you are, is there any difference that's there because you're there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The book of Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, let's go. And pray and what? Seek my face and what? Turn from their wicked ways. Yeah, earring. Then what? Then I will what? I will hear from heaven. You are in the first service. You. <laughs> then I will hear from heaven. Right? What? I will forgive their sin and what? 
I will heal their land. I will heal their land. I will heal their land. That's not figurative. I will heal their land. I will touch the land. I will make things better. I'll change things in their area, in their locality. Revival doesn't end in the church. If you're a school teacher, what's the difference that you're making in the school? What difference are you making? So that's what Mfudisi Tandanani was asking. She was asking, what do you see and what are you going to do about it? And Bishop Glaston Botona comes in and then he says, the Christian faith is not a place of lazy people. Tell your neighbor, he's talking to you about that. He's talking to you. He's talking to you about that. The Christian faith is not a place of lazy people. Jesus says, come and take my yoke. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but it's still a yoke and it's still a burden. Jesus says, follow me and be ready to work. Follow me and be a working person. You know, it's, it's something that, I've, I, that struck me once I started working in, in, you know, in, in not just in our church, but I, I also worked at Rema as well and worked in other places and, and knew people in Christian communities and so on. And I realized that many Christians, they don't have a healthy understanding of the work ethic. They don't seem to understand. They don't seem to understand. They think, they think work is sustained by tongues. It's not. No, my man. When you're hired, even if you're working for a Christian company, right? Even if you're working for a Christian company, it doesn't mean now you must come late because you believe in forgiveness. No, 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 you're not. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. No, it's, it's, it's not going to work. You know, in the early days, in the early days of us starting a church, I struggled so much with hiring people because that was the biggest problem. One, when it, they wouldn't come on time. When you ask them, then they give you the reason. Oh, mama, kula. Now I must be compassionate. No, no, no. Angeti manja, you are being exploited. Ngoba umzalo. Angeti manja, unoswelo. Kira itikeswelo. Oh, unoswelo. So they're explaining why they're late. I'm a taxi, whatever. And 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 yet they used to work in town back then. I mean, not now. I'm a taxi. We're not like this. We used to use a train. Beba bambi train ngo five xa. And they would be by seven zelung lungu, but figure la paya mo seven xa. Maramina ulana nje o hamba ngeteks ulana nje u figure late game uzongchela ngokoko okula yangeta. And then the second problem was, they wouldn't work. You give them work to do, they don't do it. They don't know timelines. No, they don't know timelines. You know, I remember years ago, my wife and I, we had a, a helper in our house. You know. In the early days of what you had a helper in the house. When we come back from work, the house is not late. Yeah. So we asked the lady, she said, No, I had a burden for intercession. Hey. <laughs> intercession. In Elamzalwan, we, we they were recommended by another church. You know, we wanted them Zalwan, which is not wrong. And then we know that Rungwana was not all together. We don't know who in Zengwana Run. Facebook Nyarun. 
I finally we had to have this conversation when I was working sister Yeah. We had to sort of ask her to, to live graciously. And because next month salary for free, as long as you Maya, you know whatever. Being a Christian is not a place of lazy people. No, number two, is it a place of cowards? We must become a workforce of strong, confident people who are not afraid. We should not be afraid to confront what is wrong. We should not be afraid to be enterprising to start what was not started. We should not be afraid. It was a sobering thing when, when he was, when he reminded us that, remember, Bazalana, we have lost two years. Got lockdown. Yeah. When we were under lockdown, there were other sectors that were, that were working. Yeah. Entrenching themselves. We see in our society how people have defected to other faiths and to other beliefs. People back in the modern Because it is a yeah. When we were under lockdown, the people were getting, were, were, were getting into Izinto. So we've lost two years. And in these two years that we have lost, we cannot have a pace of people who don't understand that we have lost two years. Nah. We can't have a level of commitment of people who are indifferent. We must work. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's our responsibility to go and work and make up for these two years. You did see this week something that was signed about the world religion. I hope you saw that. He did talk about it and I was reading on it during the week. I won't tell you but the reality is that the world is moving fast to try and choke and squeeze out the freedom we have in preaching the gospel and in doing what we're doing. And if we do not advance the cause of the gospel and move at a high speed and infiltrate society, then we will have people who sit in decision-making bodies who don't know God at all. But we've got to bring this gospel and preach this gospel so that those people are touched by the gospel and as they sit in decision-making, they can decide in favor of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to work with speed, Bazalon, because the world is fast moving to a certain direction. Then Apostle Malinzisa came, he said, well, if we are going to be able to work the works of God, we've got to be in partnership. Because when we partner, the grace of God is there in partnering. When we work together and join hands together, we share in the success together. When victory is there, it's our victory. There's a reward for all of us. It's, it's in partnership where the miracle is activated simply because we are in partnership. And then Bishop Chalo came, and that was a heavy hitter, that one. And he said, there's a sense of agency in the topic. The tone of God with us this year is serious. Then he said something that really, really moved my heart. He said, when you read the Bible and when you look at history, 
When the systems of this world don't work, the last hope is the church. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God always looks to the church to be the solution. Unfortunately, the church doesn't understand that. The church doesn't see that. The church doesn't embrace that. Read the Bible, you'll note. Anytime when there was chaos, God moved on his people. The scriptures that we have read. Amazing. Even God's people who were in foreign lands. Think about it. Joseph in Egypt. When the time of crisis came, when a leader saw a vision, a dream he didn't understand, God had his man, his servant, that he had supernaturally implanted in the system. And the solution for a nation that didn't know God came through somebody who knew God. That's why God has placed you where he has placed you. You don't need to resign. You don't need to walk away. God has placed you there to work the works of God whilst it is still day. Don't pray that God should take you out. Pray that God should help you see the reason why he has put you where he has put you. Yeah. Yeah. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Babylon. There's Daniel in Babylon. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have a, we have a wrong understanding. Where we, we think the way God's going to solve it is to congregate all of us in one place and we all run somewhere to the mountains by ourselves. Ah, uh-uh. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Ah, uh, come on now. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt only works when it is applied. If we are the salt of the earth, we have to be applied to something. So God wants to apply you into this sinful world. God wants to put you in strategic places because you are the answer that God is hoping for. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he said, you know, when, when God is working, the last hope is the church. God is talking about us working. In fact, the very first verse in the Bible talks about God working. And the very last verse in the Bible talks about God working, making a new heaven and a new earth. So working is the culture of the kingdom. Working is not a sinful thing. Adam and Eve were told to work before they sinned. So in the kingdom, we are a working people. Tell your neighbor, I'm a working person. I'm a working person. So he says we must do the works of God. In other words, we must do meaningful work. Listen, Barcelona, instead of us complaining, instead of us asking who's going to fix this, can you be the solution? (laughs) Can you be the solution? You know, it's easy to sit in the comfort of our ivory towers, analyzing, asking questions, and not doing anything. You know what I found out? When you start getting involved in something, you realize that it's not easy at all. Yeah. Do you know what meaningful work is that God has called you for? What is meaningful work? Meaningful work, number one, is work that transforms chaos into order. I'm quoting Bishop Chalo here. In Genesis, God gives us an incredible example of what he means by working. Watch this. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, verse 1, verse 2. And the earth 
was without form and void. The earth was in the Hebrew, tohu vabohu, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So we see a world that is in total chaos. Everything is misplaced. Everything is not where it belongs. But in the midst of that chaos, the next part says in verse 2, and the spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. Watch, Barcelona. The spirit of God never did anything until somebody, somebody with a mind to work, somebody who had given themselves to do something, gave a command. In other words, the spirit of God was there, but on standby mode. The power is there. The power is sufficient. The anointing is there, but the anointing is waiting for somebody. God is on standby mode in your community. God is on standby mode in your home. God is on standby mode in the family. God is asking the question, who shall I send? And the Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And when God gave the command, and when God got into working condition, the Holy Spirit joined together with God, and he brought what was said into being. That's the reason God anoints you with the power of the Spirit. He anoints you with the power of the Spirit to be an activist. And you will only see how anointed you are when you go into Tohu and you become the solution that we are looking for. Many people don't want to be people who bring solutions. They are afraid of challenge. We don't want to take on things. Somebody said, what if I fail? It's okay. It's part of life. In the words of John Maxwell, when you fail, fail forward. Failing forward means I failed, but I have learned something. I have failed, but I have learned what I shouldn't do next time. I have failed, but I'm going to get up, dust myself, and I'm going back, and I'm going to do it better this time. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Fail forward. <laughs> Meaningful work is when we turn chaos into order. Truly speaking, when God is at work, is when God takes chaotic things and changes them. Isn't that the same with our lives in this place? When God met us all, and we were all in our chaotic world, and we lived all kinds of funny lives and embraced all kinds of funny things, God was told Uches. But remember, Uches, Agazanga, as tall and Elenges, Pambanueni, Jesus had to send somebody who preaches to us. God had to send a worker who works and preach the gospel. And when the Holy Spirit saw somebody working, preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit worked and he got into action mode. And as the word was being preached, the Holy Spirit was convicting. The Holy Spirit was talking to somebody because the Holy Spirit is looking for a worker. The Holy Spirit is looking for the worker in the health sector. The Holy Spirit is looking for a worker in the community. Who will be that worker? When God sees chaos, he thinks about you and he knows I've got someone who can go sort out that chaos. Yeah. That's why our calling, oftentimes when God tells us what he has called us for, our first response is <laughs> wrong address. 
Because when you look at the tov that you have been called into, and when you look at yourself, you feel I am not equal to the task. It's true. You are not equal to the task. We are not talking about you. We are saying it is God who is working in you. It is the God who enables you. It is the God who gives you the strength. It is the God who gives you grace to be able to do what you are supposed to do. Hallelujah. Then he says, nobody will work and do real work if they don't care. Because nobody works beyond their capacity to care. And this is why when we go and work, I'm telling you, Bazalon, there's no way when you go and start working where you will have, you will be as opinionated as you were when you were a spectator. I'm telling you. I, I, I pity people when I, when I see the way people comment and say stuff on social media when something has happened. It's easy to say that because you are far from it and you are not involved in it. When we, when we were assigned by the MEC to go to Lufering several years ago, when there was chaos in that school, the MEC said he chose, the, you know, we were handpicked, several of us. Dr. Chikani was among the team here and several people from different sectors, and he said, I give you 14 days to sort out the chaos. 14 days. That was his idea. 14 days. So we went there. First meeting we had with the community there, ah, we realized there were 14 days. <laughs> so, you see, once you start working, no, it was alone. You start finding out things about what you're doing that changes your perspective. And note, and it is in working that you yourself start changing. Yeah. Certain things that you used to say, you don't say anymore. When we met the people there, we noted that there were, there were 16 subgroups that were involved in this thing. And we had to meet each group separately just to be able to know what's going on. We went back to the MEC, we need four months. Can be 14 days. So it moved from 14 days to four months. But isn't it nice? See, when you write about it, ne? as a as an expert. Yeah, when you when you write about it as an expert, right? And, and someone who's able to assess, you say they should have done it in 14 days. First day they should have done this. So, and those who are on the scene, those who are practitioners. They just look at you and say, Because when we got there, we found out stuff that we, it wasn't even on the news. Even the way the story was reported on the news, very wrong. Yeah. Just totally wrong. When we went to Marikana to, you know, and, and I joined Bishop Joe Soka in Marikana to go and meet the people in Marikana, it changed my mind. I tell you, I was so affected by what I saw. I remember the first day we went there, we met with these, uh, you know, it's after the massacre. We met with these miners, you know. There were like 3,000 of them. We met in an open space. There was no sound system. We just met in a flat space. We were in the middle. They were surrounding us. Hey, I was praying. Jesus. <laughs> and, and if I may say to you, that's where I learned to wear a collar. Because... Because, yeah, because when you drove into Marikana, there were soldiers everywhere, right? And there were lots of uh, roadblocks. And when you went into Marikana itself, the community there was very angry. They would come up to the car. So they come there, they're angry. They want to know, who are you? 
So, Sansa no rukushuguti, rukushuguti. No, kavana next. I said never. Following day, I went. I put on a collar. Ine raket lakafela bar. Oh, who who am fudi si angen 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 angen. See now, see. So now you will criticize a collar. Yes, yeah, you you will criticize a collar, right? Yeah, Mara Mara, you don't know what the collar does. I, I learned I learned quickly. I learned there was one funeral I did. This is a separate story, different story. I, there was one funeral I did. We we helped got this place because one of the children in that home was uh, in our church, so they didn't have a pastor. She thought, of course, they didn't have a pastor. So. We, we, we arranged everything, then they put us into the program. So I went to the funeral. So when I got to the funeral, Khantim Malume arrived. Umalume, Wafiga, I think on Thursday. The funeral was to be on Saturday, I think on Friday. And Umalume organized his own pastor. So I mean, I didn't know. So I go there, and I didn't wear a collar. So I go there, and, and, and people were so many. And I'm trying to go through. I went, put... <laughs> Booty, stalud melapaya. Why? And and I kawa na muruti da ukenza color. And I kimi muruti wa aski switch over zolan. Kimi muruti wa Mumbai. Marukenza color. But because of the color, he did the whole funeral washuma ela menangele lapaya. Put your put. But, but yeah, yeah, here's the point I'm trying to make, Basalan. Here's the point I'm trying to make. When you start working, something happens in you. Yeah, something. You, you have to deal with your prejudices, your understanding. This is why, Basalan, you note when things happen in the world and sometimes. People don't comment or presidents don't comment about certain things. We say, yeah, why is he not talking? He's a coward. He's not talking. Hey, you don't know the trade deals that have been signed. You don't know. So when you, when you are in these areas, you know, you know, you have to choose between which is a lesser evil, a lesser devil than the other. This one is a lesser Satan. It won't be as bad as Mangbamba. Lo Satan. Lo Satan alone is great number seven. Lo Satan is Satan to the power seven. I'll take Lo Satan alone to the power one. It is good. The results will last for the next ten years. Come on, somebody say amen if you understand what I say. When you start working, you start understanding. And then what it does is, when you start working and you start understanding, what it does is, you start being passionate. This is so important. And when you become passionate and your heart is taken by what you do, then you shift modes into a supernatural mode. Watch what it says. It says, as Jesus was with the multitude and they had followed him for many days, when he saw that they had no food, to eat, eating, he had compassion over them. See, being involved with, and you are seeing what's going on, it changes you on the inside and it evokes something on the inside of you. And when Jesus had compassion, read it in the Bible. Anytime when it says he had compassion, then he flowed in miracles. 
See, the anointing of God is provoked by the compassion on our inside. By the compassion on our inside, it comes by virtue of us being involved in something. You can't have compassion when you are remote and you are removed from the situation. This is why when it talks about the, the good Samaritan, Bible says he went and he went and had a look at the man. If you note the priests and the Levite, the Bible says when they saw the person lying on the ground, they walked on. They never went to have a look. There's something about going to have a look. But Abazalon, you don't only be involved in street committees, you don't only be involved in SGBs, you don't only be involved in any of those things, but you want things to change. Because Luna, you're doing spiritual warfare. Look at your neighbor and say, Chwada. Chwada. Now, don't misunderstand me. Let's do spiritual warfare. But you see, you can do better spiritual warfare when you know what the issues are. You won't bind the wrong thing. You won't bind the wrong thing. You'll bind the right thing. To transform chaos into order, secondly, he says we must have creativity. Nothing changes until we start moving into chaos and believe God to help us in it. And very often, God always sends us into chaotic situations. If you have everything you need and you don't have problems in your life, you're going to lose out on this thing called creativity. Because it is in chaos and in problems and in challenging times where we learn how to be smart. I mean, look how we've learned to be smart around load shedding. Come on now. Some of you, Nelsa, I need a day before. I look at your neighbor and say, I'm a rapisho puashumayela, serious. What's up? Now, even if you used to be very lazy to iron the day before, load shedding has sorted you out. You know if you don't iron, the following day if the lights are off at 5 or at 6 in the morning, you are sunk. So you have to iron the day before, you have to wash the day before, get into the bath. Look at your day and say, I'm going to wash my bishop. But what happens, that, 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 you see, you could have done that all along. I mean, look at it, Barcelona. During the lockdown, all of a sudden, everybody's on Facebook, everybody's on Zoom, everybody's on Teams. These apps were there. Many years they were there. We never used them. I had them on my computer. I never used them. Mara crisis. Barcelona, don't run away from crisis. Don't try to pray away crisis. Get into crisis and see what God will help you do inside of crisis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in crisis that our creativity comes to the fore. Where is it that God is sending you? What assignment is God sending you to? What kind of crisis are you going to have to deal with? Incredible. I was talking with one of our pastors who happens to be in education. He's one of the inspectors in a district. And he was telling me about, just, on, just this week, I think Thursday I was talking to him. He was telling me about one of the schools in Orange Farm. And in the school, you know, the, 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 they were talking to the, the, the principal there, who there's something that's supposed to happen there, and they're supposed to prepare the school for the arrival of some dignitaries. And the principal is saying, but who's going who's to clean the school? 
who, 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 who's going to prepare? And he said, I said to him, what do you mean who's going to prepare? I mean, you have somebody who has been hired to work there. You have workers who are hired to work. You are paying that. Aha, come on, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. How come on, then, then he said, I said, okay, why don't you motivate the parents to come out? Okay, those parents, you. And, and our pastor said, then I lost it. And I said to this person, Mara, it's a big mistake that you are there as a leader because I don't see a leader in you. Leaders don't talk like this. Leaders don't talk like this. Leaders solve problems. Leaders motivate a team. And then his grandfather said, you know, the school just up the road. He said, I told this person, what about that school up the road? It's always clean, tip-top condition. Any time there's anything, the parents are there, they're motivated. But you know, I'm going to compare our level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope you're not, one of, I hope you're not on that same WhatsApp group. When God sends you to chaos, it's because God knows if you can have the courage to step up and face the chaos and do something about the chaos, then his power will work in your life. Can I hear a good amen? I think the ushers must stop the young, the young people who are going that way. Please, they must go out at the back. They are disturbing me now. So, we should really make sure that we are involved in that. Real work, finally, he said, it's about transforming human potential into practical reality. When you work, the first thing that gets affected is you realize God begins to touch your heart, as I said. But then you have to put your head into it. In other words, you have to start thinking along those lines. And then you have to put your hands to work. So this potential that's latent on the inside of you gets into action mode. And as you be, proceed working, you make things better that are around you. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear a good amen? amen? And then we had then Dr. Maswanganyu who said, we need to be involved as a people because the theme in the Bible is that we need to work we need to be involved and bring transformation in three areas. Spiritual transformation, mental transformation, physical transformation. And he said, it's important, I love this one. When you read the text, you'll note that there was work to be done. But instead of the work being done, when you read the preceding verses, you find people, instead of talking about the work, they're talking about all other side issues. Instead of them focusing on the man being healed, they are focusing on the fact that who sinned, that he ends up being blind. So one of the things he says is that it's important for us not to get sidetracked by other agendas when there's work to do. Very often people can talk about peripheral issues instead of facing the issue because it's easier to talk about peripheral issues than face the real problem. I don't know if you've ever been in meetings where people meet and they talk about everything but the problem. I don't know if you've ever been at a conference where there's a conference about everything but the problem. 
There's an elephant in the room, but nobody wants to talk about the elephant. And you find that in this scripture. They're talking about who sinned, who did this, and it's even worse. They are trying to lock this guy's destiny to his sins of the past. Not understanding that God is able to change our past. Never go to your community and say, this community has been like this for many years. It will never change. You know what? The change that's going to come is you. The new season that's going to come, it's you. The freshness that's going to come, it is through you. So we've got to work and do the works of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. And finally, Prophet Rale Khulela came. And he said, you know, sometimes when you look at the challenges and the problems in your life and everything that is in your life, at that stage, you wonder, why is this happening to me? But later on, as your life unfolds, then you look and say, you know, all of that happened to me so that. Yeah. Your journey, your problems, your challenges, issues that you wish could disappear, things that you want to erase from your history, all of that, Unkulunkulu was working. He may not have put you in there, but he didn't pass up the opportunity to use the problems and the chaos to mold you and to shape you. Joseph, when he talks to his family, he says, all of these things happened to me. So that. He says, God was preparing a posterity for you. He says, don't worry. Don't look down upon yourself. Don't chide yourself with what you have done. You didn't know. You did it, but it wasn't you who did it. It was God. So that. You know, I do a sermon on shape, knowing your shape. And you know, I've done it several times. The letter S is spiritual gifts. The letter H is heart, which talks about passion. The letter A is ability. It's either gifts or acquired talents. The letter P is personal style. Everyone has got their style. And the letter E is experiences. What you go through. Everybody, your shape. You have your shape so that the reason you have the spiritual gifts you have is because God wants to use you in a certain space. The reason you have passion and compassion towards certain things is because there's a specific area God wants to use you in. The reason you have your gifts, your talent, your abilities is because God has given you those gifts, those talents, and those abilities to suit and be a perfect fit for a specific area. The reason God has given you your personal style, you have your own signature. Eh, you are the own person. I mean, there's nobody who can say hallelujah like you. I mean, there's nobody who can do it just like you. Eh? Even your DNA is unique to you. Can, you. can I hear a good amen? And the reason God has given you your style is that even if you learn from other people, God still wants your style. God still wants to see your signature. God wants to see you work. And he's given you your personal style so that and even your experiences good and bad alike, painful and good alike, everything you've experienced.
Bill Heiber said something years ago that went into my heart and I always use this. And it struck me. Moses, first of all, he gets born and, and because it's a time when Pharaoh is killing the male children, his mom decides to hide him in the river Nile. Makes this basket, cushions it and seals it and assigns Miriam, the elder sister, to look after Moses. In the words of T.D. Jakes, <laughs> God can float you down a river that is full of crocodiles. In him preparing you for destiny. Even if you had to run for cover, your cover is not great because you are running for cover into the mouths of crocodiles. And by coincidence, and by the way, it was not coincidence. We know that God is working things together. You see, sometimes it's because we don't have a picture. We don't have a panoramic picture. We only can see that moment. Nkulunkulu worked so that the, the daughter of Pharaoh goes down to the river to bathe. And it coincides with the basket floating in that direction where she is exactly. And it just so happens that Moses is uncomfortable. He's crying as a baby in the basket. And this woman can't resist it. The heart of a woman and the heart of a mother that flows out to this child and she loves this child. Looks at the child, sees that it's a Hebrew child who should be dead. But because of her love and because of Unkulunkulu working out his chest. She adopts the child and, and Miriam at that time gets wisdom from God. To say this child is going to end up in a foreign house, in a foreign place. He will never know his identity. He will never know who he is. Let me appear in Jenna by coincidence and let me make an offer. And so she appears by coincidence and goes to Pharaoh's daughter and say, Are you looking for somebody to look after the child? Do you want someone who's going to nurse the child? And she says, Yes, of course. And Miriam goes back to the mother of Moses. She doesn't tell her it is the mother of Moses. And the mother of Moses comes into the house and starts to raise and groom the child. As she's raising and grooming the child, don't forget, you're not an Egyptian, you're a Hebrew. Don't forget that you're a child of destiny. Don't forget that God has a purpose for your life. And Moses as a child playing around grows with a healthy sense of identity, knowing who he is, that even if everything I have here is good enough to get me into being passive, but I will not be passive. I will not let all the equipment and all the provision pacify me and make me forget who I am. And the book of Hebrews says, and when Moses was of full age, he began to remember who he is. He wanted to get back to his destiny. And one day he sees the Hebrew and an Egyptian fighting and his heart, because he knew who he was, he goes into the defense of the Hebrew. But unfortunately he kills a man. He commits a murder. Mara, God is in it. God is in it. You murdered somebody, God is in it. You were floating in a river full of crocodiles. God is in it. You were taken from a home as a child. You grew up among people that you cannot call your own. God is in it. God is working.
And after he's killed somebody, he finds out that his secret is known. And he runs for his life to a foreign land. Comes among an African in Midian who embraces him. And Moses starts leading the flock and listening to this man. And God said, now is the time. <laughs> All this journey, I have been preparing him so that. And I'm going to talk to him in a language that he can understand. I'm going to frame my words in a way that it will draw compassion and passion out of him. I'm going to talk to him in a language that's going to stir him up. And Moses sees this tree that's burning, bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. He looks at this site and he says, I must go and see. God is in it comes closer and a voice booms out Moses Moses take off your shoes for the place where you are standing is holy ground and Moses takes his shoes off and he walks towards this place and please listen to the words of God God says don't draw near to this place take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground next verse listen what God says he says I am the God of your father Abraham and Isaac. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid of God. Next verse. Look at the next verse. And God said, Hey, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. God is saying, Moses, what you saw when you were in Egypt? What made you fight because you saw the people being oppressed? Is what I've seen. You see, Moses, we're our hearts are connecting. That experience that you were going through, Moses, I was weaving and interweaving that experience and taking you through that experience so that when I call you to go and solve chaos, there's something that moves on the inside. You are not going there because you're going to get a salary, you're going there because your heart is connected to the mission. Says, I have seen, watch. The oppression of my people. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Moses, what you've seen, I've seen. What you've heard, I've heard. Verse 8, he says, So I have come down as God to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians. And I will take them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And God is saying, I am delivering them, Mara. I'm not going there in person. I am looking for a vessel. I'm looking for somebody who will work the works of God. I'm looking for somebody who will say, God, here am I, use me. Here am I, use me. And I wonder, if you've seen your burning bush, I wonder, what are those spaces when you are in prayer? can feel your heart connect with a mission. And God said, I'm sending you there because your heart is connected to the mission. Because when others don't see, when you see, when others don't care, when you care, you care so much, Moses, that even when you were not invited, you jumped into action mode prematurely. And God says, I don't mind even if you messed up and killed somebody, all I'm looking for is action people. Not people who will be spectators. 
and who will not do anything. And I want to ask you in this place, what is the Spirit saying to you? What is your burning bush? What are those things when you are in prayer are stirring in your heart? You can't move from them. Whatever area, whatever sector, you want to excel in that area. You want to do well in that area. Let me add this, Barcelona, as I'm closing. I think on Sunday, I, I said something in passing, and I think I must explain it a bit. See, when Jesus died, he didn't even have his own tomb. But there was a, a business person who was a follower of Christ. Though he never was one of the apostles, he never preached or prayed for anybody. His calling was to work in the marketplace. And this man, at the time when it was needed the most, provided the provision for the tomb of Jesus Christ. I was saying last week, I have a strong sense that there are people whose calling is to be kingdom financiers. Your amens are not convincing. Theirs is to make money to finance God's agenda. They give generously to churches for the church to fulfill what it must fulfill. For the mission of God. But imagine, imagine how many communities we could change if we had enough finances to transform those communities. I mean, like right now in KZN, like, you know, we're going to build, we're still waiting for all the official things. But we can only build so many houses right now because we don't have that much money. But imagine, Bazalana, if we could build like 100 houses and 200 houses. And that can be the contribution of the church of Jesus Christ. Imagine the impact that we can have as a church. But you see, that, that kind of finance, it doesn't come through tithes and offerings. No. It comes through people who are huge kingdom financiers. People who say, mine, Mfundisi, is to work and provide for the vision. Yours is to pray. Mine is to provide for the same vision. Imagine what can be done. And I want to ask you, what are those areas in your life that God is saying? And maybe let me close with this because I feel I must qualify this. Those people who are called as kingdom financiers, when you read the book of Romans chapter 12, you'll find that attached to that calling is the gift to make money. Now, some of you don't know. Now, we work for money, we plan for it, but there are people by and character is attracted to them. That's why because they understand who somehow chalete gets attracted. Maraena, you don't have to bulaya anything. You don't have to cover anything. It's the anointing of God that rests on you to be able to make money. But not only do you make money, you see yourself as a channel of God. When you receive it, you don't consume it on you. You pass it on for the kingdom agenda. Tell your neighbor, God has called me. Tell them again. 
Tell them again. And tell them I must work. The works of him who sent me. While it is day. For the time comes. When no one can work. So I'm going to work. By the grace of God. Would you raise your hands? Let me pray for the grace of God upon your life. Father, the Corinthians, when your grace came upon them, they were a different people. These women and men in Corinth who were so far removed from you, when your grace fell upon them, they were different. And that's what we need. Your grace. For us to work the works of God. There's people here that you've called to be great historians. Great writers. There are people that you've called God into the arts. People you've called in sports. You've called people in different sectors. And my prayer is that your grace, I pray that nobody here will rest. I pray that nobody here will be indifferent. God, you cannot adopt this tone to a church. And then we turn our backs on you. What we want is to obey the mission you've called us for. Spirit of the living God, rest upon us all. Anoint our hands to work. Anoint our minds to think strategically. Anoint our hearts to receive the wisdom that comes from you. Anoint our bodies and give us the strength we need to work hard. Bring us into a place of unity that we can be a people as when we meet here on Sunday. That we come back here with stories of seeing the grace of God that has worked in our communities. I pray that even as we stand and preach your word, may we give answers to the questions that people have had as they've had a personal encounter with the issues on the ground. I pray for courage. I pray for boldness. I pray for tenacity. I pray that we will be a fearless people. I pray that we will not be afraid to be criticized. We, we will give it our best shot, God. And I pray that you help us to know what we must do because we can't solve all the problems. Nor can we answer all the questions. But we surely can do something. We surely can do something. Anoint us, the young and the old alike. Anoint us as a multi-generational people. Anoint us from our different backgrounds that we come from. All of us, we have our soul that anoint us, oh God. That the day we stand before you, God, to give an answer and to account for our time here on earth, Every one of us will be able to tell their own story. What we want to hear when we stand before you, God, is the words, well done. Well done. 
thou good and faithful servant. Because we are stewards of your gifts and your talents. And we are stewards of the time. We are here on earth on borrowed time. May we live in a way to redeem the time and buy back the time. For the days are evil. We bless you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. You can put your hands down now. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you are here today, you've been invited or you've come on your own. But as yet, you haven't received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. And you want to invite him to come into your heart and be the Savior and the Lord of your life. Right where you are, you're saying, I want to commit my life to Christ. I want Jesus to come into my heart and make me a child of God. Would you pray for me? Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If that's you and you need the prayer, would you please just raise your hand right where you are? Just raise it high. Let me see it. I want to pray for you. Just raise it way high. Let's see it. I want to come today. I want to invite Christ in my life. That's right. I see that hand. Just raise it way high. That's right. That's good. Ashas, please help me. I can't see them from here. Just help me, please. If you have someone next to you, raise their hand or in your row. Raise your hand as well. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you. May I ask the people who raise their hands, would you stand on your feet, please, right where you are. Just stand on your feet. You can put your hands down, but just stand on your feet, please. Would you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. May I ask all of you who are standing, I want to pray for you. This is a serious prayer that we want to pray with you. And it's an important commitment that you are making. May I ask you, please, if you could come from where you're standing, take all your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind. Just come stand here facing the stage. Come stand here facing me so that I can pray with you. Just come. Give them a big hand, please. Thank you, young man. God bless you. Thank you. Give them a big hand, Bazalana, as they walk.